What's going on, guys, and welcome back to the 50 Plus One Football Podcast, your home for all things Premier League and Bundesliga. I'm Billy, and joining me is a man who goes with me, just like Hertha Berlin and the possibility of relegation. It's Lewis. We really have to start, you know, not giving away too much at the beginning. I feel like it's it's it almost makes my job meaningless, you know. Like now, what what am I gonna say? I have to. I have some topics to present, but you've already taken one of the biggest ones. Anyways, like Billy said, we have a nice little host of topics, and we will be starting with the Premier League, where of course the relegation of Southampton was done and dusted, official last weekend. Then we will also be looking at Arsenal and the biggest bottle jobs in North London. It almost looks like Arsenal should just have the Tottenham crest really integrated into theirs. And finally, we'll be having a look at, yes, you guessed it, the Ivan Tony ban, big sports betting news there. And we will also be moving over to the Bundesliga, where we will be keeping it short and sweet with one round of top four battles. Who will clinch Champions League? Who will get Europa League? And then finish off with the relegation battle all to play for between five clubs. One of them Billy already talked about, but the other four will be coming right after this. Uh, who wants to do things you may have missed? What do we have on things we have missed again? Uh, Barcelona winning the league, Napoli winning Serie A, and Haaland crossing out the five and drawing a six on his boots after scoring right. against Everton. Yep. And our episode would not be a solid 50 plus one episode without the things you may have missed. So we will be rattling off a couple things that may have flown under your radar. One being Barca won the league, you know, even though they are in the worst financial trouble of their club's history, still managed to win the league with a solid, solid lead on rivals Real Madrid. Of course, you know, a big rubbing it in their noses there. Also, one major little thing you might have missed is, oh my god, I just fucking blanked on all the rest. It's at the top of the running order. Why have I not? Why have I? Jesus Christ. Cheers. Speaking of teams that have won the league, Napoli win their first Serie A in 30 years. What party scenes were in Napoli? I'm sure you guys have all seen the absolute carnage that was, you know, the city on the Italian coast. And then finally, you know, we can't go an episode without mentioning him. Erling Haaland, he had the 35 on his boots. They had to be crossed out because he's now on 36 with his goal against Everton. How many more numbers are we going to see on the Norwegians' boots before the end of the season? But all that and more right after this. So, like Lewis said in the beginning, we're going to have a look at Southampton and the relegation of Saints. After 11 seasons in the Premier League, they've had three managers this season. And the biggest question that's going around is, would they have been any worse had they not sacked Ralph Hasenhutl in November of last year after he was sacked after one win in nine games? They then cheaped out and got Nathan Jones, who I don't think anyone was expecting to do very well. No. We, you know, covered it when he got the sack and laid into him, and I did a horrendous Welsh accent. But he lasted 14 games. He recorded one win before he was sacked in February of this year. And Ruben Sellers, who has no previous first-team coaching experience, took over until the end of the season. Beat Chelsea and Leicester in his first three games. Which isn't bad, you know, considering Leicester are right in the thick of it when it comes to the relegation battle this season. Exactly. you got to beat your relegation rivals, but there's so much more going on at Southampton than just bad on-pitch performances. Yeah. So let's just sort of unpack a bit of that. So they're owned by a company called sport republic 
financed by a Serbian called Dragan Solak. Uh, it's their first full season in charge of Southampton. And they have spent £132 million across both windows this uh, this season on 15 players. Those players being Gavin Bazunu, Romeo Lavia, Samuel Adozi and Juan Larios, all from Man City. Bella Kochap from Bochum. Uh, Deyu Charletasar from Marseille. Joe Rebo from Rangers. Maitland Niles on loan from Arsenal. And Sekou Mara from Bordeaux in the summer. <clears throat> in the summer. Uh, and in January, they got Onowatu from Bruges, uh, Suleimana, Alcaraz, Mislav Orsic, who scored that hat-trick against Spurs in the Champions League a couple of years ago, and uh, James Bree from Luton. I wonder who was in charge in January. I don't know. It It's all very hit and miss, you know, especially, I think, Bela Kocup turned some heads because no one expected it. You know, he's a 20-year-old from Bochum, and... Yeah, he got his first, you know, Germany call up and whatnot, but I still think it was a little bit premature, especially, you know, when when Saints knew they were going to be going into the season fighting to stay in the league, if we're being honest. You know, it wasn't it wasn't, you know, the the cash injections and the players being brought in were like, oh my God, Saints might, you know, go for fifth place, which we have seen them do um in recent history but it it never seemed like you really thought yeah okay saints i could see them being minimum midfield of the table if not challenging for champions league so you know that i guess i guess also their new owners are trying to come to grips with who they brought who they bring in it's not yet chelsea level burning cash but you know, if they keep going on like this, obviously in the championship, the finances are going to be restructured a whole different way because, you know, there just is so much less of said cash to burn. Um, but it there are almost striking parallels to, you know, the very club you mentioned in the intro, Hertha Berlin, who burned 250 million euros. So I think it will, it'll be interesting to see if they can manage to, you know, do the straight yo-yo back up to the Premier League, so to speak. Well, yeah, here's the thing. You said about the cash injections. They had 15 million in April because they just burned through it, like you said. But it's something that it's been a long time coming, I think, because they've got this yeah. habit of obviously Southampton bring through this fantastic crop of young players. They buy young players and they sell them on for a lot of money. Yeah, um, you know, we, we look at uh, just just some some... Not so small names like Sadio Mane and Virgil van Dijk. You know, Luke Shaw, uh, uh, yeah. Gareth Bale, Theo Walcott, Oxley chamberlain The list but, goes on. But they, they invest that money and, okay, fair enough, it works for a bit, but it only takes for one of those signings or two of those signings to not work out. And you end up in a spiral, which oh, yeah. not going to happen anytime soon, I don't think, but it, it could potentially happen with a team like Brighton. You know, they'll sell these players like McAllister and Caicedo and... Uh, yeah, but I feel like Brighton's Brighton, the management and also the scouting is on a whole different level in, compared, in you know, comparison to Southampton because Southampton, you know, they've brought a lot of players in where I think a lot of Saints fans would be at odds or have issues with about half the players being brought in. Whereas Brighton they use their scouting to a whole different level. You know, some of the players they're bringing through and the, they sell their players on, not just for peanuts, but they sell them on for whopping amounts of money, almost to the point where, you know, you say Kukurea for 62 million to Chelsea, Brighton had their pants down, basically. You know, Kukurea in his own right might be a good defender, but he's never worth more than 50. He's not even no. worth more than 40, in my opinion. But No, definitely not. And you spoke about the parallels with Chelsea. Well, you know, divisions between the young and the old players, they had to get changed in different dressing rooms because of the bloated size of the squad. The, the young players that they normally bring through, the young players that they've currently got, apparently are already considering their futures, are considering leaving. They've got a player who was on loan at Burnley, Nathan Teller, one of the top scorers in the championship last season. Yeah. And 
you look at the atmosphere and you look at the structure around Burnley and you look at the mess that's currently at St Mary's, yeah. he's going to want to leave as soon as is physically possible. Well, obviously, you know, especially with Burnley securing the promotion and him being such an, you know, like a talisman in that team almost. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he tells his agent, you know, like get do whatever you have to get me a permanent contract at Burnley because I'm not going back there. I'm not going back to Southampton. Fuck that, you know. Oh, that that's the thing. It's going to be difficult to keep hold of these players. And speaking to people that support the club and people in and around it, yeah, the, the concerns over the lack of direction and the signings in January just felt like they were throwing money at a problem without with no real solution in mind. Yeah, I mean, it it just is another instance of just because you have the money doesn't mean you should be spending it left, right, and center. It means you should be having a look at how you can invest that money with you know a smart solution in mind for the problems you do have. Because the problems that Southampton have are definitely, they could be solved if the money was invested properly. But if the money's invest, being invested in the players that you know we've seen come through that club, it's it's not really a secret why Southampton were relegated at the end of the season. Just isn't, you know. If, no, that's and that's the thing. They had all this money to spend in in January, but no money apparently, or a lack of want to spend the money on a manager after sacking Hasenhutl in November. Because if that appointment after Ralph is a good appointment, there is the potential it could have salvaged the season. By appointing Nathan Jones, who is a championship manager at best, they've sent it. No one knew what they were what they wanted to achieve with this move. No one. Well, it's because they wouldn't pay money. That's the thing. They were just being tight fisted. And that's that's yeah, but that's what the issue that we're saying is, you know, you, you if you're going to spend the money on players, you know, Julian Nagelsmann kind of set a precedent for clubs now to basically say, you know what, if you want our manager, we'll be willing to give him to you, but we're going to start charging for him. Um, you know, I feel like that just wasn't a thing up until Nagelsmann. And now it's just, you know, we saw Chelsea spend $24 million on uh on Graham Potter only to sack him six or seven months after appointing him, you know, it's it doesn't come from anywhere. And Saints still don't want to do it, even though they're in desperate need of said manager. Well, that that's the thing. They interviewed Jesse March. I mean, I don't think that was the, the appointment. They missed out on Sean Dykes. They missed out on... They could have had Big Sam, but they didn't go for it. They They missed out on... You know the the key man that they probably would have wanted in Deitch, but I was it's... about to say Deitch. I feel like would have been this perfect, perfect solution. You know, he he's you've seen him you've seen him manage you know smaller clubs with smaller budgets before and do so successfully. You know, think Burnley, what circa 2016, 17, 18, that era. You know, it's he he's definitely shown that he's capable of doing. You know, I'm not saying a stellar job. I'm not saying Sean Dyche should be, you know, the top of every Premier League club's list when it comes to a new manager. But I'm saying he's a solid appointment who could have done something with that Southampton team had he been given the chance. You know, with with uh, Ruben Tellers now at as their manager, you know, it's just like you said, no first team experience. I don't know what you want to achieve with a guy like that who just has shown or hasn't shown that he really can get anything out of that team. You know, it's 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 difficult because no one really knows at the moment who's yeah. going to be in charge next season or who is going to be there like playing staff wise. I mean, a 40% yeah. pay reduction upon relegation, which is fair. You know, a lot of clubs have that yeah, written into contracts. I was reading that Leicester had a similar thing. If they go down, it, well, that's good though. You know, I'm but sorry, but a player shouldn't be rewarded for the fact that he's had a shit season. Well, exactly, but it's those players who's going to want to stay. 
Well, it depends on who. I mean, because there I seems think, to be no direction. I think that's the bigger problem. The forty percent pay cut. Pay cut. I think you know a player will accept that if he's part of a team that gets relegated. Obviously, they haven't done a good enough job over the span of a season, not just a few games, but the span of a season that he will be willing to accept that. You know, obviously he has because they've they've all signed the contracts. But I think, yeah, like you said, for me, the the bigger issue is just which direction is that club going in? And if that direction is non-existent, I think that'll be the biggest turnoff for players because if they don't know what's happening, they don't know who's coming in as a manager. And like you said, a lot of young players, they're going to be looking to figure out what their best next step is in their career. And if you're part of a club who's not got any sort of direction whatsoever, you'll be making or you'll be thinking three times over if you really want to stay at a club with no plan, basically, because you don't even know what the hell is going to happen to you. Exactly. I think that's probably a good place to leave it with Southampton. But do let us know what your opinions on Southampton are. Is it a case of the ownership? Is it to do with Henrik Kraft and Rasmus Ankerson? Or is it to do with the wider picture? You know, the playing staff aren't good enough. The management choices aren't good enough. Let us know. But before we talk about Ivan Tony, let's talk about Arsenal. And North London seems to be... Bottle job central. I was going to say bottle job central because we've had Spurs for years and years and years. You know, who came third in a two-horse race? Tottenham fucking Hotspur. Well, yeah, but that's the thing, right? You know, now Spurs have just descended into almost obscurity when it comes to their aspirations of getting anything done, really. You know, who was who was it, the 16-year-old who just won his first title with Barcelona because of the league title? You know, a 16-year-old has more career trophies than Harry Kane does. Yeah, but he is England and Tottenham's all-time top goal scorer. So, you know, he can I'm... have his personal accolades. Yeah, but personal accolades at the end don't mean jack. You know, everyone's everyone knows, you know, Ronaldo's scored more goals than Messi and he scored since the age of age of 30. Ronaldo and Messi have scored 38 hat-tricks between them and Ronaldo has scored 32 of said 38 hat-tricks. You know, in terms of personal accolades, My there God. is the case to be made that he that Ronaldo might have won a couple more excluding obviously the Ballon d'Ors and whatnot. Um, but no one's going to sit there and tell you that Ronaldo is the greatest of all time when he's missing a World Cup trophy from his trophy cabinet and Messi's got one. So, I'm not you know, Messi's, Messi's he, won he, everything. He, he did he very little. He did very little in that World Cup. But let's not dwell on that. Exactly. But no, but my, my point is, my point being, Harry Kane, if he's, you know, he's got all the, pre, all the, all the personal accolades he can get. But he's. I think he'll trade, you know, a golden boot or five for a Premier League or any sort of title, really. Because, and I mean, I believe that he won't win anything at Tottenham because Tottenham are just cursed almost. He needs to do a Van Persie and leave Arsenal to win. Exactly. Taking us back to Arsenal. See that oh, lovely very, segue very there. Done, Bill. <laughs> Nine points from a possible last twenty-one that were available to them. A three-nil defeat to Brighton. Arg arguably the most damaging of the, the dropped points because they just looked devoid of any fight or desire. Yeah. Brighton, to be fair to them, played them completely off the pitch at the Emirates. It's a credit to the Zerbi and what he's done since he's took over. And I said it a couple of weeks ago. Whatever they achieve this season... Trophyless. Uh, sorry, Brighton. Sorry, whatever Brighton achieved this oh. season... Graham Potter will, should get absolutely no plaudits for. Because if you want... Okay, fair enough, that squad could be Graham Potter's squad. But what Deserby has done with it is completely different. If Graham Potter wanted to take that Brighton side into the Europa League, he could very easily have said to Chelsea, you know what? No, I'm building something here. And Deserby has taken them up and up and up a level. There's that story that came out uh, after City played them. Uh, Pep Guardiola went into the dressing room and spoke to all the players. He's like, listen to this coach because I would throw myself into fire for him if I was a player. That's 
big coming from Guardiola, you know. Like, big coming, uh, big coming from Pep, and three 0 They just completely battered them. Arsenal don't, or basically, they haven't looked to be the same title aspiration side like they did, you know, January, February. You could almost say that it all just went. I love that one stat where it's you know before Jorginho joined. Yeah. They, they were on course for the title and everything and had you know nine point lead and whatnot and since since he's joined them he's uh officially stopped them from winning the title one obviously not what we're saying but you know i think the biggest the the thing that i thought was the funniest when it comes to arsenal bottling it was gary neville saying at the beginning of the season arsenal will bottle it and everyone wanted his head on a spike every arsenal fan i would just love to see any of them you know react you know do arsenal fan tv do a massive thing you know with all the fans apologizing to gary neville because he has just predicted the future you know he gary gary neville knows what it takes to be in a title winning side I was about to say, eight Premier League titles speak volumes. I, I've said it. I said it at the start of the season. I didn't think they would win it. And I've said it repeatedly throughout the season that even if they don't win it, which it looks increasingly like they're not going to win it, it's an experience. They'll come back with that experience next season. True. And in future seasons. You know, they haven't been in this position ever since the early noughties. Yeah. You know, I, but I refuse to believe it's all because of William Saliba's injury. As, as I mean, I already, I remember as I he fired, was. I remember I fired off that stat. Obviously, you know, their win rate, what was it, a couple of weeks ago, was 30% less won games without Saliba than with. But for me, one of the big things is Bukayo Saka, who... Everyone at Arsenal was hyping up, and I'm not saying he has to be the one to do so, but the kid didn't really turn up when it came down to it, when the title was on the line in the big games. Saka wasn't there, or he wasn't playing his best football. The argument could be made that a lot of those players were missing on the pitch when it came in big games and didn't play their best football. But, you know, with Arsenal fans just hyping up Bukayo Saka so much, I feel, you know, it it almost is a disservice to him as a player to hype him up so much so that when it then comes down to the big games, he's already got the pressure to deliver, even though at his age, he still should be, you know, a talent that is being molded and not, you know, carrying the title hopes of an entire area of the city on his shoulders. Well, that's the prime reason that Mark didn't want Jude Bellingham to go to a Premier League side. Because yeah. imagine being, at the time he was 17, imagine being 17 years old. They did join United over Dortmund at the time. Yeah. And he goes and it's he goes into that starting 11 and it's, okay, the spotlight is now completely on you. You have to perform. You have to perform consistently. Every single match has to be a 9 out of 10 or higher. Anything less than you're going to get absolutely hounded for. Yeah, and that, that's the thing, right? Like, you know, obviously the the best players of any generation will be able to deal with the pressure at that age, you know, if you're looking at the all-time greats. But even some great players still needed time, and, you know, some didn't make their debuts in the Premier League till they were 20. And, you know, just because Bukayo Saka was a talent that was brought through the ranks and made his debut a couple of years early you know like you said the the spotlight being shone on him and the minute you know he has to produce a, a nine out of ten game in a top match and keep on going with that performance you know all the way through the season it's still a lot to ask and i think if you if you take some of that pressure off, if you can, if you can give him some more free run, and you can get some more players in, some more experienced ones who can kind of also deal with this with those situations, Arsenal will definitely be a title or a potential title winning side. Arguably, it's easier to be in the position that City were in 
yeah. for most of the season chasing. Because yeah, there's very the hunter is not the hunted. Yeah. Yeah, there's very little pressure on you. Sorry, there is less pressure on you than if you have to keep constantly winning to keep people away. And that's Maybe. something that only experienced title winning sides will know how to do, aka City. Exactly. There was a, a stat. Arsenal were top of the league for like 246 days. Yeah. And when it was published, City had been top for 14. Exactly. You know, that's that's the thing. And I do find it funny, though, as much as I don't want to lay into to the Arsenal fans, it is hilarious because they went, oh, you know, we're out of the uh, the Carabao Cup. We're out of the FA Cup. We're out of the Europa League now after they lost to Sporting Lisbon on penalties. It's fine. It will just give us time to focus on the league. <laughs> and you've completely and utterly fucked it. You've shat the bed. And it's not wholly to do with the players why I'm laughing at that. It's just because it's hubris at its absolute finest and every single football fan is guilty of it. Oh, 100%. Everyone's gone into a game where everyone's gone into like the last half of a season going, yeah, we're definitely going to win that. I was I was one of the biggest perpetrators of Bayern being the team to beat in the Champions League this season. <laughs> you know, every football fan's guilty of it. I think that might have been one of my worst takes ever. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to disagree with you because in the end you uh, were humbled. But... Before we move on from Arsenal, just uh, a quick one because Martinelli is also injured for the rest, the remainder of the season. So two more Spurs. games for Arsenal, uh, and it was almost like instant karma because the opening minutes of the game against Brighton, he went through on Matoma of like a flying arm, caught him square in the face with the bulk of his elbow. Should have been sent off. Should have been a red card. It wasn't. And then about five minutes later, Moises Caicedo just. Kyle drives through the back of him and scythes him down. He lasts about 15 more minutes before he has to come off with a with an injury. And then at the end of the game, he's wearing a, a protective boot. And it is, you know, I don't like seeing players get injured and I hope it's not a bad one because he does struggle with bad injuries. But it was just that instant karma of you do that to my teammate, I'm going to do it to you. You need more shithousery like that on the pitch these days, I feel like. Roy Keane-esque is all I'm going to say. <laughs> what, I Roy hope... Keane and Alf Inge Haaland? Hey, that was a revenge tackle and I will stand by it. <laughs> He's also the reason that Haaland is an absolute freak. I'm pretty sure after that, Alf Inge Haaland dedicated all his time to genetics. I was about to say, genetic modification. Although, what, what was it that my dad said? He was like, all the genetics that Erling Haaland got went into his body and not his face. <laughs> I mean, I can't say anything, but he does look like he's walked into a frying pan. Oh, like that, <laughs> that picture of um, that picture of Tom from Tom and Jerry, where he's been hit with a frying pan. Oh no! Oh, so it, let's leave that before. He's just not a looker, is he? Let's leave that before I say something else that's going to get me uh, cancelled on the internet. I was about to say. And let's talk about Ivan Tony, but in a wider scale, let's talk about betting in football. So if you live in a cave or if you you know hadn't been keeping up Ivan Tony between February 2017 and January 2021 had placed 232 bets uh he's since well, been exactly allowed to do as a professional footballer no you're not he's since been banned immediately for eight months as of Wednesday the 17th of May and he's also been fined 50,000 pounds uh the FA have subsequently um, appealed to FIFA to try and make it a global footballing ban so he can't go on loan somewhere till January. Christ, they really, really they want to really want to stamp down on this. But I'm not going to criticize Ivan Tony. I'm not going to say, you know, stupid thing to do, you know, let's leave it at that. But in a world surrounded by betting sponsors, yeah. How can we be surprised when a player bets? You know, Ivan Tony, uh, when he played for Newcastle, they were sponsored by Fun88. That's a betting company. He yeah. then went down to the lower leagues and he played in the Sky Bet Championship and the Sky Bet League One. 
Uh, now he plays for Brentford, who are sponsored by, oh, yes, you guessed it, Hollywood Bets. So from the ages of, like, 16, he's been exposed to bets. You know, you see it round, uh, round stadiums and things like that. You watch football on TV. You've got Ray Winston going, oh, you know, put an acker on, put a bet on. And then at the end, there'll be that little tiny flash up of yellow when the fun stops, stop. I don't know. It It's just, I feel like betting on sports, the reason, the main reason it's banned for professional athletes is to stop basically a professional athlete tanking his own performance in order to secure bets. And of course, it's going to be almost impossible to prove you know that you've tanked a performance to basically win the bet um which is why they've basically said you know just no betting altogether of course it's stupid from ivan tony but i feel like an eight month ban i can understand the 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 fine um and i'm in all honesty i expected the fine to be six figures minimum um for betting infringement i thought that would be more more of the the right way to go and you know banning him ban him for i don't know what four months okay sure ban, ban him for some time but banning him for eight months like what's that gonna do in all honesty it's it's the fa trying to flex their muscle and which they don't have very much of like... well that's the thing they're using what muscle they have as a deterrent almost yeah obviously. but i, I mean, don't like think said, making don't, an example exactly i don't think they should be banning him so heavily yeah exactly i think they should be reevaluating their betting regulations because the premier league from 25 26 are banning all gambling sponsors yeah okay um, well then why are you coming down so hard on the guy anyway who's been surrounded by gambling sponsors his entire life it's a messy situation, but, you know, Bournemouth, Brentford, Everton, Fulham, Leeds, Newcastle, Southampton, West Ham are all sponsored by betting companies. We've seen it in the Europa League yeah. where West Ham have had to play with a sponsorless shirt because in that competition, they're also banned. But this is something that I not so clued up on. But what is the betting culture like? in german football well in german football i mean most of the time uh, you have you know the uh the first half is brought to you by typical like that's a betting company one of the biggest ones there you've got bet 365 uh you know with ray winston dubbed over in german <laughs> um you've you've got you know you you had hertha berlin who were sponsored by bet at home um you know, Freiburg are sponsored by Kazoo. Uh, at the end of the day, the betting culture is very much well, or it is well and live, um, well and alive in in Germany, and it's not much different. I'd say the UK is, you know, that's where sports betting culture really came from, almost. But Germany have done a very good job, or the UK companies and now German betting companies as well have done a very good job to get their footholds in the Bundesliga, in the DFB Pokal, whatnot. I mean, you see, you see all these different kind of betting, uh, you know, betting companies getting advertised in the Bundesliga. So it's not much different. No. I suppose if it makes money, it's going to find its way into football, isn't it? And it's going to be interesting to yeah, see. Yeah, exactly. It'll be interesting to see what happens when they ban it from shirt sponsors, whether they're going to double down on match day advertising, whether they're going to double down on advertising in the ground. Because you go to some places, like you pop to, take it back to Southampton, you go to St. Mary's on a match day, they've got Ladbrokes kiosks. Yeah, exactly. On, exactly. on the concourse, you know, you take a, a sheet, you fill out what you want, and you take it to a woman in a booth, and it's like, okay, fine. But every you know it's one of those things you don't think it's a problem we should and have our our good friend brandon on this because well this that's i was i was the malaysian semi-pro leagues i was gonna say you don't think it's a problem until you look at it 
And we all did it at uni. Champions League nights, especially when you've got Champions League matches and you've got... Or big uh, boxing, big boxing. Yeah, big uh, boxing matches. You've got the EFL on and the Champions League. And you can put easily 20 teams on. I was going to say, some of the ACA's got insane. Uh, Out of hand. Because, you know, some nights when you've got four Champions League weeks in a row. Yeah. That's our oh, deposit a ten now this week and uh, I'll deposit a ten this week. You know, before you know, you've spent like 50, 60 quid. As a uni student, by the way. Which you don't have. Exactly. And I'm not I'm not suggesting that anyone that we were at uni with, you know, Brandon bets five P. But <laughs> I'm not suggesting that anyone was putting on like thousand pound bets or anything like that. But people do. And yeah, exactly. football's an escape. Yeah. But if your escape is then having betting pushed down your throat constantly every opportunity, the Premier League games on Sky, the teams will come out. Martin Tyler or whoever it is, Seb Hutchinson will read the teams out. They'll do the plan across. Then there'll be a break so they can get a bet 365 add in and then they'll come back. Yeah. You don't need that. Well, yeah, try explaining that to uh, the betting companies who pay insane amounts of money. It's all money. It's all money. So there you go. Let us know about your thoughts on gambling and betting in football. And we will put some, uh, I will put some links on Twitter to be gamble aware and places like that where people can get help for gambling addiction. But now let's talk about the relegation battle in the Bundesliga. Well, we said the relegation battle you could include Augsburg. You most definitely now can include Augsburg because they're just one point above Bochum at this point. So, you know, you've you've got basically the rundown is you've got everyone from Augsburg down. So everyone from about 13th down to 15th, I mean, to 18th. Um, and that includes obviously Augsburg at 13th. They are on 32 points. Um, then, you know, you move one space, one spot down, um, and you've got Bochum in 15th, sorry, Augsburg was 14th with 32 points. Bochum is 15th uh, with 31. H- Hoffenheimer 14th. Oh, fuck. Why didn't I? Jesus Christ, I wrote this shit down. Augsburg have 34. Edit the shit out. <laughs> So I might just we can we might just be able to redo the whole thing. Yeah, fine. Uh, I wouldn't include Augsburg. I'd include Hoffenheim. No, exactly, exactly. That's why. Yeah, yeah. I'd include Hoffenheim. Yeah, I'll just restart the whole thing. Um, okay. So yeah, basically everyone from about Hoffenheim who sit comfortably in fourteenth down. So Hoffenheim thirty-two points at fourteenth. Bochum with thirty-one at fifteenth. Schalke with 30 at 16th and Stuttgart at 17th with 29. It's all extremely condensed and, you know, every game, every point counts. Hertha, I would kind of already, you know, they're pretty much as good as down, in my opinion. They're four points off of even 17th and five points off of a relegation uh, playoff spot and six points off of being completely safe. In my opinion, then there's no coming back from that. And Hatta just have been too too bad. You know, obviously we'll get into Hatta when we when they do inevitably get relegated. Um, and now that I've said that, they will find a way to stay up without a <laughs> yeah. relegation playoff spot. Um, <laughs> that's just how it is gonna go. But yeah, I you know looking at who they've got in the last few matches, who would you say is your pick to go down with Hertha? That's the thing. It's such a massive game. If if Bochum beat Hertha, I'm prepared to say they're safe because they've got a point more than Schalke, two points more than Augsburg and everything. So um, you would say Bochum with a win are safe? Yeah, if they beat Hertha, which would send Hertha down, yeah, I mean, yeah, Hertha have to win. It's it's a final. It is a full. It is. Well, they, they've got potentially two cup finals. I think yeah. obviously Hertha already down. 
it's weird. I don't know. I Stuttgart, I mean, we saw it last year. They just... With the last kick of the final game. Yeah. Just avoided it. And I think they'll probably go down and I, I probably Schalke in the playoffs. So would you basically stick with, you know, as the table stands now, that's how it'll finish? Yeah. I mean, Mainz and Hoffenheim aren't easy games for Stuttgart. Frankfurt and Leipzig are horrendous games for Schalke. Oh, the, I, in my opinion, Schalke are getting no points in the last two games. You know, and then you look at the team that could potentially face Schalke. Schalke <laughs> you know, Hamburg. Well, you know, we can't we can't completely write off Hamburg not making you know the direct jump up because they are only one point off of Heidenheim. By the way, having Heidenheim in the Bundesliga, are you kidding? Well, that's how uh, I feel about the possibility of Luton. Yeah, exactly. It's Luton Coventry in the playoff final, and it's just two teams that you just don't want. You just know that they're just going to be cannon fodder for the whole league. Well, that's the thing. It's like when Goyser Furt came up. Yeah. Went straight back down or yeah. uh, Paderborn. You know, it's, it is, it's, I don't want to say it because I don't want to be negative around teams that are doing well in the second tier, but it is almost a guaranteed six points. Exactly. And, you know, I mean, other than, you know, this season, because Schalke all of a sudden had that run where they didn't concede a goal for like five games, remember? And then everyone was like, oh, they, they might even be able to stay up completely. And then it's just like, oh, wait, no, Fairman's injured again. Um, you cannot be in the top flight and be losing potentially 21 games a season. Yeah, no. I was going to say 19, but Bochum have lost 19. And they're yeah. six points clear because they've drawn less games. But, look, they're there because of their own doing, uh, Hertha, and we'll talk about them possibly next week if they get relegated over the weekend. Stuttgart just haven't learned from no. last season. You know, they they, they, they... they sacked managers as well. They sacked managers left and right. They got rid of... Oh, my God, what's he called? The really lanky one that went to Wolves. Uh, here, uh, oh, uh, Sasha Kalajic. That's it. They got rid of Sasha Kalajic and didn't really replace him. They've got Silas, they've got uh, Girassi. Girassi is not bad, you know. Lothar Matthäus even said that he would be like basically a cheap option uh, in comparison to Kolumwani even. And, you know, Girassi has, uh, you know, I think it's 11 goals this season. He, uh, he's got 10 goals this season. 10 goals. There you go. You know, it's not, he's not half bad. He's not a bad player. Silas has his moments. Yeah. Okay. But Silas is more, you know, really has his moments. And it's just, yeah, I don't know. Well, that's, you know, there's, there's talk of Mavropanos going to Napoli as a replacement for uh, Kim Min Jae if he leaves. The midfield, I, I don't know. I wouldn't touch any of them with a... To be fair, I think Vatuo Endo is not half bad. He'll get another Premier... Uh, uh, he'll get another Bundesliga team. Exactly, he, but, you know, not much more. It's like if Hertha go down... They're no going one's in... touching that club with a 10-foot pole. I'm sorry. You say that, but people are going to take those players. I don't people, know. People are going to take Floria Niederlechner. People are going to take well, yeah, Dodi Lukabakio. Niederlechner was only Niederlechner was at a relatively, you know, okay midfield team in Augsburg up until uh, he went to join Hertha. And you know, yeah, probably a few of those players could go to the to the to you know Darmstadt or Heidenheim or uh, Hamburg, even depending on who who gets which spot, but. You know, I think um, I'm not sure. Like, maybe to beef up the squad a little bit, you know, for depth. But most of the other teams in the Bundesliga won't be looking too much at uh, at Hertha Berlin, for instance. 
No, but like I said, Lu- uh, Luca Bacchio will get another one. I think the the most damaging one I've seen recently is uh, uh, Jessic Ngankum. Yeah, Jessic Ngankum. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Hertha since she was like seven years old. And he's uh, under 21 Germany uh, regular call up now. Yeah, apparently uh, he's on the radar of Union. <laughs> well, hey, I mean, Jordan hasn't exactly been performing this season. He's so, done all right. Jordan Sibachu has done okay. He's done okay, but he hasn't done he, like season before. And just even, I think, to the start of this season, everyone was like, oh, my God, seven goals in the first five matches. This guy's insane. Uh, And then he kind of just dropped off. True. Well, on the subject of Union Berlin, so do let us know who you think. Do let us know who you think is going to get relegated. And we'll have a, a brief discussion before we finish about the battle for the top four because it's getting interesting. And everyone's favorite German club, Union Berlin, look, touch wood, on course to be in the Champions League next season. Especially, well, yeah, I mean, obviously, it's a very, very tight spot, but they did work wonders with, uh, well, I mean, I say work wonders, but they managed to get themselves in a very good position with that win against uh, Freiburg. Uh, 4-2 win and you know they were leading I think it was 3-0 uh, early in the first half even uh, Freiburg came back to make it a little bit interesting but um, you know Robin Knochen managed to notch two assists as a defender as a center back um, but yeah I'd say it's basically the, de- the decider which funnily enough Union has kind of made it or has kind of been or put Leipzig in a shitty position where Dortmund are concerned because Dortmund will be will have been hoping you know Bayern versus Leipzig coming up and I know I'm already skipping uh, forward a little bit but Bayern versus Leipzig could very much be the title deciding match and now Leipzig at 60 points and in third they're going to be relatively laid back because they can't get anywhere near the title race in the last two matches and, um, you know, the top four is almost a given at this point if they don't completely drop off. And, you know, one of Leipzig's last games is Hertha Berlin. So uh, it's pretty much safe. But coming back to the top four, you know, no, Leipzig no. have Bayern and then Schalke. Sorry, I said Hertha. Uh, I meant Bayern and Schalke. So um, you would say Bayern could even be a draw and Schalke, you know, a win. If we're being realistic, yeah, but if well, that's the thing. Uh, last season at at Leipzig, it was one all. Yeah. At the Allianz, it was three two. Yeah. So they're not one sided matches. I mean, you won the Super Cup five three, but I mean, yeah, but it, I mean, in all in all, honestly, it's a preseason tournament. Exactly. One that and two. Even there, Leipzig managed to fight themselves back. I think they were down like what four one or something. Um, here's here's the thing. <laughs> From a neutral point of view, yeah, the result that people are gonna want to see is either a draw in that game or a Leipzig win. Yeah, from a neutral point of view, I'd almost also say from a neutral point of view, you'd ra- most fans would rather have Union and Freiburg in the Champions League and Leipzig in the Europa League than having Leipzig almost safe in the Champions League. That's the thing. Leipzig are going to have to lose both of those games and Freiburg are going to have to win both of those games to have any opportunity. You know, Freiburg are going to have to beat Wolfsburg and beat Frankfurt, which aren't easy games. Oh, hell no. I mean, Frankfurt probably the easier of the two, but Wolfsburg are still also very much, you know, fighting... um, for conference league place yeah well i mean conference league place yes but they're with 49 points and depending on who wins the the dfb pokai they might even still be able to solidify europa league place and they're in direct you know confrontation almost it sounds bad but their direct rivals for these places are Bayer leverkusen and frankfurt 
because Frankfurt are only three points behind Leverkusen and Wolfsburg, and Leverkusen and Wolfsburg are tied on points, and only Wolfsburg is above Leverkusen on goal difference. So for Wolfsburg, there's a lot riding on that game as well. It's going to be an interesting last couple of weeks, I think. And you won't have the best, you know, rest of the season with Hoffenheim and Bremen. Yeah, I mean, Bremen are comfortably not going down. I say comfortably. There's a, I was slight, say comfortably. a slight possibility of everyone below them wins their next two games, which just isn't going to happen. Yeah, and they lose um, as too. Yeah, so Bremen, I think, are not mathematically safe like uh, Gladbach, but they're not going down. Yeah, yeah. And Hoffenheim come the final weekend of the season. Sorry, no, Hoffenheim is first. So come the final weekend of the season anyway, the last game of the season probably won't matter for the the other team. Yeah. So they've got a good one. Just before we finish, there's seven points between Dortmund and Leipzig, eight points between Bayern and Leipzig. Yeah. Five goals scored by Dortmund, six goals scored by Bayern. It's it's almost like, uh, well, I mean, I said it last week. It's just like a snail's race to the championship or the or the title. You it's know, the most exciting we've had in a while. It is the most exciting we've had in a while. But the problem being, it was it would be more exciting if they were both tied on points, because right now all Bayern has to do is not slip up. And Dortmund can do whatever they like and still won't win the title. Which is why, so, you know, the, the neutral fan, as you said, would like to see a Leipzig draw or win rather than Bayern winning. And I could see a draw happening, but then Bayern have, um, you know, a pretty, it, it is a pretty comfortable end of the it's, season if, if we're being honest. FC Kern away, which could be quite a difficult place to go. I mean, Dortmund have the more favourable. Kern are safe, you know? They're safe. They are safe, but we saw well, that it really doesn't matter what happens, which, say what you will, takes a little bit of the edge off. It you know, does. Match. It does, but last season, uh, yeah, the last three matches been a one-all draw. To be fair, in January of last year, you battered them. 4-0 at their place. Uh, and then it was 3-2 at the Allianz. But Dortmund have the the more favourable one, I think, at, at home to Mainz. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Mainz, will, they'll dispatch them quite easily. I mean, yeah. Um, Mainz also, it says. is at home, and Dortmund at home is just rock solid this, this second half of the season. The potential one could be Augsburg, because they have, in turn, also had a lot of success at home. So if you think about it, Augsburg could be the little stumbling block that would give Bayern the title, more or less. I guess we're going to have to wait and find out, and I think that's probably a fantastic place to leave it for this week. You're right, Billy. And as always, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to AT Sports News on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And make sure to check out the previous episodes and seasons of the 50 Plus One Football Podcast on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, and Spotify. But thank you very much for listening, guys. Keep calm and love the beautiful game. <laughs>